Welcome to Wise Women Speak with Linda Pritcher and Lana Bastianuti, where we give voice to the wisdom in women. Hello, Lana. Hi, Linda. Lana and I recently met Maria Iliff Wood at a professional development weekend, and we were delighted that she agreed to join us for a conversation. Maria lives in England, and we were happy to snag her before she leaves. She works as an executive and team coach and is deeply inspired by the individuals and groups she works with. Her book, Coaching Presence, Building Consciousness and Awareness into Coaching Interventions, was published in 2014. She and her husband, Ash, work together in their business named From Quiet. And we're going to be asking you about From Quiet. That's a really interesting name, Maria. Um, but first, I'm going to just really dial it back and ask you about being a coach. We, as coaches, we, um, we know many coaches. Uh, we sometimes coach coaches. And we know how, how many people are really interested in the coaching field. So um, I'm curious about how you became a coach. Was there something that you did before you became a coach? Okay, thanks, Linda. <laughs> thanks, Lana. I'm really, really delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. My coaching career, I guess, started in 1988, so it's quite a, quite a way back. Um, when I was working for a bank, I worked for a bank, and they, I attended a coach training course that lasted a week around about that time. Um, and at the end of that week, I thought, great, I'm a coach. <laughs> you know, little did I know. Um, I'm going to fast forward from there because the intervening years, lots of learning development. Um, I left the bank. I joined another organization as a director and then I decided I was going self-employed and I, the decision to go self-employed came first and then what I was going to do came second and I looked back on my career and I realized that the thing I most loved about being a leader in businesses was helping people to develop through coaching and so that's what I decided I wanted to do full time. I handed my notice in about a month later, three months later, I started my own business. So did you take the three months to just sort of reflect on what did I love to do? No, 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 no. That you was, knew ahead that of time. That was the evening. So I decided in the morning I was going to go self-employed. I can remember pretty much the exact, I can remember the moment where I decided I was going to go self-employed. So this is going to link into wisdom later. So the moment I decided I was going to be self-employed, I went home that evening and thought about what it was that I wanted to do. And by the end of the evening, that was it. It was all decided. It was all sorted. And then I just had to work out a little bit of finances and so just planned the, the time very slightly to enable me to... I had to give three months' notice anyway. Yeah. Um, and I just waited a month, just gave me an extra month's income to be able to set aside and put some plans in place to then be self-employed. That's brilliant. And that's a quick turnaround, I must say. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> my morning, I, uh, you know, I decided I was going to quit. Most people think about it for a long time. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Yeah. So tell us about that. That's really interesting. What was going on in you? How did you just know that day that it was the right thing because i just knew huh. like and, and that for me is um the absolute thing about wisdom there are certain times when wisdom just smacks you in the eyes 
and you know and there's nothing to take you away from it. At the time that, um, that I decided to go self-employed was the beginning of the recession in the UK. And so everybody was saying to me, Maria, you're really brave, what are you doing, all this kind of thing. But for me, it was like there was no bravery involved. It was just this is the thing to do, no question. I had no doubts, I had no thinking going on about that. You can look back in time and see how wisdom was working, how wisdom was really guiding, how it was really showing me the way. And that's one of those really, really um, clear moments. I think it's fascinating how you learn to listen. Um, at Wise Women Speak, we are giving voice to the wisdom in mm. women. So um, to your point, how, how did you kind of learn to listen? Did it just come on you one day? Did you just see evidence of it that you were finding if you listened to this voice? You had a knowing. If you had this knowing and you followed it, was it a trial and error thing? Like you saw what was happening and then you got more confidence in it and then it became something that you trusted. It's a really great question because I've never ever reflected on it before, but reflecting on it, um, I've always had times of just knowing, never thought about what it was, never thought of it as wisdom. That's a recent phenomenon. Yeah. Looking back and seeing it for what it was. Even though I spent most of my childhood and early adulthood and even later adulthood seeming to be really scared and anxious and shy and all that kind of stuff, there's also people who would say they had no experience of that, of me being shy and lack of confidence and all that kind of thing. But I also had um, real clarity at certain times so like I mapped out my early career almost you know by this year I needed to be at this level and this year this level and this year this level and that all just happened um and I had no doubts in my mind it was going to so I, I, I never I never stopped and thought about what I was paying attention to and what I wasn't paying attention to. There was just certain things that would occur to me that I would just automatically pay attention to. And I don't think I'm unique in that. You know, I think lots of people are doing that a lot of the time. You pay more attention to the times when it doesn't feel right and it doesn't feel good and you don't feel how you want to feel. So you don't really... You don't think about trusting, you're just trusting it at certain times because that's just the thing to do in the moment with that thinking. It's only when I look back now and see how wisdom was playing out and some and certain points where it was playing out that I think, oh God, yeah, that's what was happening. And then it becomes much more of a thing to trust the way forward. So now for me it's like less like planning ahead and more like trusting what's happening and following the instinct and because I've done that so much in the past but not realized that that's who I really was and that all these other times when I wasn't feeling that and not following that instinct that wasn't who I really was. Can you give us an example of a time when you didn't follow that instinct or that knowing 
and uh, perhaps you listened to other people that said, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't do that, or this is what you should be doing. Something really does pop into my mind immediately when you say that. So there was a time when I was a manager, I'd got a team of 60-odd people in my team, and I was recruiting a new team leader. And there was a problem in the whole unit. There was 150 people in the unit, and all of the promotions were coming out of my team because of the way that I worked with people and all that kind of thing. So we come to appoint a new team leader and we were interviewing and my boss decided she was going to sit in on the interviews with me. She was going to be part of the um, decision-making process. And she um, put my hand up my back and said I had to take on this guy um, rather than the person that I... um, kind of had an instinct about it. I kind of knew this guy really wasn't going to be. There was something about it. I couldn't really um, pinpoint what it was, but I kind of knew that there was something about him that he wasn't really going to make a great leader in my team. You know, there's a part of me that that kind of went, you know, I had to take account of somebody else's view. There were other reasons why she wanted to do that as well. Um, But that's the one that springs to mind, really, when because I could be a bit obstinate, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm much more likely now if I know I'm right, Mm -hmm. it has a different quality of feeling to when I know I'm right. Okay, so parse out that distinction, because there's knowing you're right on a deep level, that knowing place that we're talking about, sort of alluding to the wisdom piece. And then there's knowing I'm right from an ego place. Mm -hmm. Can you distinguish those? Um, I know I'm coming from ego when I know I'm right and I'm not listening to what anybody else is saying. Like, it's my way or the highway. Um, That's how I know when my ego has really got involved. Um, Mostly, it's like, I mean, a lot of the times when I think about how wisdom, how I paid attention to wisdom in the past, it's mostly to do with my path. Your book, Mm -hmm. Coaching Presence, which was published uh, four years ago at Mm -hmm. this point, tell us about that. What prompted you to write a book, and what was that experience like? Okay. Um, When I first went self-employed, I knew I wanted to write a book. So on my business card, my business card said, coach, speaker, facilitator, and sometime author. And I had no idea what the book was going to be, but I knew I was going to write a book. But I also knew that I wanted it to be a book that wasn't just regurgitating something else that was already in the marketplace. So I'm driving in the car and I hear the word invisible on the radio. And it's like, oh, invisible coach, that's interesting. So then, because I still do, but then after every coaching session, I would write a written reflection. So I then started writing my reflections around the words invisible coach. And then this whole model of coaching presence came out of that book. So I attended um, an event run by the publisher Kogan Page, which I'd already identified as the book publisher I wanted to publish with because they're the ones who publish all the books around coaching. So I went to this event. um, I said to Ash, I'm going to speak to the commissioning editor while I'm there if I can. And he was going, oh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> so we got to the event. They said, this is Martina, who's the commission editor. Okay. So I approached her. I said, I've got an idea for a book. She said, there's a proposal that you need to fill in. Uh, send that to me, and then we'll have a look at it. 
I submitted that. She received the proposal. She emailed me and said, yeah, we really love it. It has to go to the board for a decision. Two weeks later, the board met. She emailed me straight back, said, you've got a book deal. That's amazing. <laughs> That's, you are a fast worker. Yeah. Yes. That's quite something for publishing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I didn't know any different. Yeah. Sometimes when you don't know the rules, you just operate out of, I'd like to do this. Yes. I'm just going to, you know, follow my, uh, my instincts about how to get something done. Yeah. And it, you don't get stopped. Yeah. yeah you, you don't, don't have a lot of thinking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I learned a lot during the writing process, which I now reflect on again as seeing how wisdom is working. So one of the things that happened in the early days, like I'd be writing and then it would feel like like it would be really, really flowing. It would just like the words would just be tumbling out, tumbling out. And then I'd get to a point that's like wading through treacle. It's got really. And Ash would say to me, you, can, you know, stop, take a break. And I no, no, I've got to get on with this. And then fairly quickly, I realized that when I started to get that wading through treacle feeling, that was the time to stop. So so then we, I would stop and we'd go for a coffee because we, we just lived five minutes from the coffee shop. We'd go for a, a coffee, we'd sit down and then within about 20 minutes, like I'm back in the book again yeah. because just and so how it just flowed and, uh, and noticing when it wasn't flowing and just stopping. And I think when people don't have a lot of extraneous thinking about what it means when they get stuck, mm. then just taking a break like you did. You did a simple thing to change change things up a bit, mm -hmm. and then suddenly you're back in the flow. You could have chosen, oh, why, why am I stuck? Mm -hmm. What's this all about? What's wrong with me? And so all of that thinking gets in the way. Mm -hmm. But you could see that a simple gesture like changing venue was enough to get you back into the flow. And And... That all happened without me knowing that yeah. that was happening. Yeah. You know, this, this, the way that it all works, it works anyway, whether you know it or whether you don't know it. And you start paying, when you reflect back, then you can see how it was actually working. When you have, when you're looking at it from a different understanding, then you see how it was working, but it was working beautifully. The other thing that I love when I reflect back on it, and this was just um, within the last couple of months, I realized this. My book started with this out of the blue word, invisible coach. And then all of my deepening of understanding has just been around that. Like I didn't decide it was going to be a book about because that's the core of the book. The presence, the core of the book is this invisible coach that we all have. That is the source of all of our wisdom, that all our answers are within us. All that, that was the, the, the opening gambit for the book. And the book is built around that idea. And then when I finished writing the book, I then reflected and thought, OK, so where do I need to take my development now? And I identified three areas, neuroscience, creative therapy and cultural impact on um, in the workplace and how that affects coaching. None of my development followed those. That was my plan, but that's not where it went. So all of my development since then, all of the changing in the understanding has been around deepening that understanding of who and what is the invisible coach. My insights keep bringing me back to that, to 
deepening that understanding and keep bringing me back to trusting that that is within us already, that intelligence of life that is flowing through us. And we don't even realize it. That's And that's where I love to work with people now because that's just really getting them to see who they really are. And the invisible coach within them. Yes. One of the things that you say in your in your bio is that you could see how wisdom had your back mm-hmm. even in the darkest times. Mm-hmm. So I um, I was curious about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so long before I had any of this understanding, because I think if I had this understanding, I wouldn't have had a period of depression. So my darkest hours, I relate to that time when I had a period of depression where I didn't work for three and a half months. And when I look back in that time, I mean, at the time, all I could see was my anxiety, my dark thoughts, my inability to do anything, my weakness, my shame, my guilt about not working, how, you know, there was nothing wrong with me. It was only my mind. You know, it's like all that stigma that um, that I really get, how people get that stigma about mental health because I was mentally unhealthy or that's how I was seeing it that's at the time. Yeah. And you had a lot of judgment. A about lot of that. judgment about myself um, and, all, and all that. But, but when I look back now, I see all the moments where wisdom was guiding me. And it's so ordinary. And, and that's one of the things about wisdom most of the time. It is so ordinary. I mean, I have, I have these moments where I've gone, you know, I've had a bolt of lightning and that's been fantastic. But that's not just the normal. You know, wisdom comes really, really simply. So during that time, when I look back at that time now, so the fir- very first day when I realized there was something wrong, I was sat in, um, I was a director in the, this business and my desk was in the middle of everybody. And I sat at my desk and I knew I was going to cry. And I just got up and I walked round to my chief exec's office and sat with him and said, can I have five minutes? And three hours later, I was like been crying and all that kind of thing. It's just, and that's a really simple thing. And then I went home, I went to the doctors. A couple of weeks later, I went back to the doctor and I said, I really need medical help. I can't do this on my own. Um, I want to take the medication, but I want to know how I come off it before I start taking them. Now, where would that idea come from? That, you know, I had this, I knew that medication could be um, addictive, but I also knew I needed it. How yes. did I know that? I knew I, it, that was my wisdom at that time. Also, the doctor had said uh, to go to counselling. I couldn't get an NHS counsellor for 12 weeks, so I looked through the yellow pages and found a counsellor who I went to twice a week for for several uh, weeks um, and actually saw him for several months. But what I would do is I'd go to my counsellor and I'd come away from my counselling feeling totally wretched and go straight to my friend's house and spend a couple of hours with her before I then was felt able enough to go home. It's like going to her got me into a space of mind where I was, it was easier for me to go home and be on my own rather than going direct from the counsellor feeling wretched and then going home. What did your friend give or how was she present with you that you didn't find with the counsellor? Well, that was it. She didn't. She just listened to me. I mean, it's, it was a different, it was a completely different experience talking to the counsellor and talking to her. Um, she just, she just sat there and just let me say whatever. 
Whereas yeah. the counsellor would be kind of asking you questions and, you know, at one point you wanted me to hit pillows and I was like, no, I don't want to do that, thank you. And the other thing that also happened, because I was an uh, avid dancer in those days, and somehow I dragged myself out um, after the first few, probably after about a month, somehow I dragged myself out of the chair and took myself dancing. And, and again, it's like I really didn't want to be with people. I really didn't speak to anybody. I just danced with them. So I would just walk up to somebody and ask them for a dance and then just dance. And that would be the whole conversation. And we thank you at the end. And that was it. But the freedom that you get with dancing. Yeah. Now I look back on it. The free, you know, I had, while I'm dancing, I haven't got all this other stuff going on. You started working with your husband in a coaching business. So how did that come about? Well, when we first met, we were both running a kind of training business. I was doing more coaching. He was doing more training, um, group training and that kind of thing. So it made sense for us to merge the two businesses. But we, we actually met on a spiritual retreat weekend. And when we first met and when we first decided, uh, we got married after a year very quickly. And that's another, you know, I remember the moment that I knew. You just knew, huh? Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. This woman works fast, as we <laughs> yeah. know. I know. From start to finish. <laughs> but, that was, but that was really interesting But because while I was single, I was single for 14 years, I always had this idea that I'd have to know somebody at least three years before I could marry them. And that just completely went out the window when I met yeah. Ash. That was a rule, right? Yes. That you just created. I did, yes. Yeah. And broke it. And broke it, yes. <laughs> That's what they're um, for. Yeah. So um, so we decided, we started, it made sense to merge the two businesses because we were doing the same thing. But we said right from the beginning we weren't going to work together. But what happened is we started working together without planning to do so. We took ourselves off on a business planning retreat, which was just a, a three days where we just spent most of the time walking in the woods and around the lake and just talked about ideas. And the ideas really flowed and from quiet came from that weekend. Um, and from there, we said, you know, wouldn't it be really good if we could work together with, with teams then? And, um, and then about two months later, the opportunity came for us to do a massive program. We worked with 120 leaders across Africa. We'd love to know more about working in Africa, how that came about, where you're going to be, and, um, and what you hope to accomplish. So we'd had this planning retreat where we thought we'd really like to work together on a program that is three principles based, not the traditional leadership development, which is what Ash had mostly done in the past. And we got a call from a friend of Ash's who said, I've got a friend who's a CEO in Africa who's looking for leadership development. Are you interested? So we looked at the company and we really like the company. It's a, it's a, it's a financial inclusion company. They're trying to, um, improve the lives of people across Africa, the most disadvantaged people. So we really like the company. We like the philosophy of it. And we said, if we can work in the way that we want to work, it would be a really good company to do it with. It's Africa, third world country. Um, and it's a really positive, impacting company. So on the way there, Ash and I said to each other, there's a reason why we're coming to Africa and it's nothing to do with what we can do for them. We knew that we were really going to learn from that experience and we really, really learned 
from that experience. We had amazing conversations with people. And one of the things it did for me, again, was really deepen my faith in whether you call it God or mind or the creative intelligence of life or whatever it is, but it really deepened that understanding again and again and again. Is there a story that you can take from that that kind of pointed to, gosh, there is there is this wisdom, or you said that you learned a lot more mm-hmm. going there than what they would have gotten from you. Is there a story that you can sort of highlight this? The one that's coming to my mind is um, in and a lot of the teams that we work with, they had pastors or elders of the church community. They're very um, religious. A lot of them are very, very religious, although not all of them. Um, but so the, quite a few of them would be pastors or elders in the church. And very often, you could pretty much guarantee at some point in the time that we spent with them, somebody would quote us chapter and verse from the Bible. Um, and I was brought up Catholic and really rebelled against Catholicism, religion, and all that kind of thing. And this, this one of this, um, one of the guys who was a pastor, he he talked about this story in the Bible about uh, people building a tower in order to get to heaven. And he said God was so angry that he smashed the tower down um, because he didn't want people getting to heaven. And I said to him, I see that differently. And would you mind if I shared how I see it? Yeah, okay. So I said, well, I don't think God was angry. I think what he was saying when he smote the tower down was that you're looking in the wrong direction. And that was as much as a message for me as it was for the people in the room. And that's that's really just an example of how often what we were talking about and what Ash and I would be sharing were as much messages for us as they were for the people that we're working with. For me, it was it was remembering that that it's all of the answers are in here, are within us, they're not necessarily out there. And so, it, it, if that story was God saying, you know, you're you're looking on the outside and you think heaven is up there and it's not, you know, go back and look within. It, where, wherever you look in the Bible, it says look within. In all of the different religious scriptures, they all say the same thing, and we don't we don't really pay that that much attention we don't really we don't really see what that actually really does mean that that the answers are coming from within us even when we even if we're not paying attention to them i love the fact that you uh, call your business from quiet so we'd love to find out how that came about Mm. and the from quiet is a is a kind of a segment of a business so the business name is Meridian Eyelift, but we now have this, what we're calling from quiet side to our business, because we still have the traditional leadership development part, which is the Meridian Eyelift bit. And we have associates who do that. But the from quiet part is is where we really say to people, when your minds get quiet, you can hear your wisdom more clearly. And the the actual full extent of it is from quiet greater yet. And there's a whole other story on that one as well, if you oh want to hear goodness, it. Yeah. <laughs> you might have to edit some of this <laughs> out. <laughs> Tell us the story of its origin. Okay. So we decided to, we hired this log cabin for three days, which is only five miles away from where we live. But it's in a forest and there's a lake and all that kind of thing. And we said we were going to go for three days and we were just going to um, really relax, take it easy, but focus on the business. 
So the first morning we went for a walk and we came across a stile. I don't know if you have them here. So it's like a, a gap in the in the hedgerows that's been built. There's a, two wooden posts and a step in. So you step over into the next field. It's usually along a footpath. So we come to this stile and on one post it says from quiet. And we step over the stile and on the other post facing the other way it says greater yet. And we both went from quiet, greater yet. That's just perfect. That's exactly what we're talking about here. It's beautiful. So we spent a whole two days really coming up with loads of ideas all around this from quiet, greater yet. So at the end of the third day of, of being there, we said, oh, we really need to get photos of the style. Um, because it, you know, this is this is where it all all came from. So so we went and we both of us took photos on our phone. So we come back to the lodge. It's getting a bit dark, and the two of us are sitting, looking at our phones, looking at the the pictures of the style. And both of us looked at each other, and we went, "Oh my God, it doesn't say from quiet greater yet." The actual words on the style was from quiet greener yet. And there's, a, there's a, a story to that as well. But we both saw From Quiet Greater Yet. What a great story. Mm. It reminds me of so many times when you see what you need to see in that moment. And from that, you created something brilliant mm. and powerful. The thing that I really love is that wisdom is not exclusive to anybody. No. Mm. That everybody has it regardless of whether they know it or not. And it's, most of the time, it's so ordinary, it doesn't get our attention. And it's not that it doesn't get our attention that we don't follow it. We just don't realise that's what it is, so we don't pay it any attention. And when you see what wisdom really is, one of the things that the main thing that I do when I'm working with people, just pointing them every time I hear wisdom, coming from them every time they give me examples of when wisdom was at play and they don't realize it, it's just pointing them back in that direction every time because the more that they see the more that people see that they've got so much more wisdom than they realize then it just opens them up unbelievably and I think one of the most relevant points you've made about that is you know it is so ordinary and everybody's looking for the flash and the bang you know saying well okay that wasn't as dramatic as it needs to be they want these huge insights these huge hits and really wisdom is just living constantly throughout our day and it's noticing that that's that can change everything maria if people would like to get in touch with you mm -hmm. how would they do that um, i'm on linkedin <coughs> maria eilifwood uh, we have a uh, website, um, the website for this, which is a fairly new website, is, is fromquiet.co.uk. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah you're thank welcome. You. Thank you. Delighted you've been with us today. Until next time, Linda. Yes, until next time, Lana. Wise Women, we speak. You've been listening to Wise Women Speak. If you'd like to hear more, please go to wisewomenspeakpodcast.com or find us on iTunes. <laughs>